This is my Bible. This is my Bible. It is the word of truth. It is the word of truth. I am. I am. What it says I am. What it says I am. I can do. I can do. What it says I can. What it says I can. I'm a believer. I'm a believer. And not a doubter. And not a doubter. I am a doer. I'm a doer. And not just a hearer. I'm humble before the Lord. I'm humble before the Lord. I'm obedient to the Lord. I'm obedient to the Lord. I'm mature in the Lord. I'm mature in the Lord. I'm enthusiastic about the Lord. I'm enthusiastic about the Lord. I know that. I know that. Faith comes by hearing. Faith comes by hearing. And hearing by. And hearing by. The word of God. The word of God. Amen. Amen. Congratulations. Amen. Let's give them a hand clap of praise. Amen. 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 All right, if you have your Bible, whether it's on your phone or in a, a regular Bible, if you would, just go to the book of Galatians, uh, chapter 6, verse 9 and 10, and I'll be reading into your hearing from the New Living Translation. And the Bible says this, so let's not get tired of doing what is good. Somebody say good. good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessings if we don't give up. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, somebody say the opportunity. opportunity. Say the opportunity again. Opportunity. So he says, therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good. To who? Everyone. But especially those in the family of Amen? Amen? You may be seated. You may be seated. Well, today we're going to begin a little short series uh, that we just simply entitled The Opportunity. Somebody say The Opportunity. The opportunity. opportunity is a set of circumstances that, that make it possible for something to happen. Another definition say it's an appropriate or favorable time. Sometimes in the Bible we talk about seasons or occasions as being opportunities. Now, now in the Greek, there are basically two words used to exemplify time that are connected with the word opportunity. One word is chronos. Talks to the order of time. You know, we have winter, spring, summer, and fall. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. The first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth day of the month. Things that are in chronological order. But then there's another word that's called kairos. That talks to moments or occasions of time. For example, on this day, we will call Sunday, chronos. But there will be opportunities or moments on Sunday, Kairos, for you to do something good or evil. Y'all follow what I'm saying? There will be opportunities on this day for you to do something good or evil. Now, in the course of life, we will be presented with opportunities. We can do what is good or whether we can do what is bad. Now, if you would, if you want to turn, go to 1 Samuel 24. It's a lengthy passage I'm going to read into you here, but let me set it up. 1 Samuel 24, here's the episode where David 
was running for his life from King Saul. And King Saul was chasing him with about 300 of his elite troops. And uh, the reason for the search and the chase was because for some reason the king thought that David was trying to seize the throne. And, And now in spite of all that Saul was doing, David never saw him as an enemy. And so David had prayed earlier that God would vindicate him and give him the opportunity to prove that he was not trying to kill him. And when the opportunity came, Cliff, in that moment of time, David had to choose whether he was going to do good or evil. And we're going to see that David men saw that same opportunity, but they interpreted an entirely different. So people can look at the same set of circumstances, the same set of events, and come away with a different conclusion. And based upon that conclusion, they will take action. And sometimes that action will either be good Y'all follow me so far? This is what verse 3 say. He says, and I'm in 1 Samuel 24, it says, At the place where the road passes some sheepfold, Saul went into a cave to relieve himself. In other words, he had to take a party break. He was out there with his friend looking for David, you know, and take a party break. Now, Saul go in a cave to take his break. Now here's the king. You would think that Secret Service should have also went in the cave first to check it out. You don't just let him go in there. But just by chance. Some people say it may be coincidence, Cliff. But I'm saying it may be providence that he went in that cave by him by himself to relieve himself. Look at this, what it says. But as it happened, a moment in time, David and his men were hiding further back in the very, good God Almighty. That wasn't just chance. Maybe that was God. Maybe that was providence. God getting ready to answer a prayer that had been set up. Give me the opportunity to show this man that I'm not trying to and take his throne. Now look at this. In verse 4 it says, now you, now's your opportunity. David's men whispered to him. Today, somebody say today. You know, today on this what, 24th day of September, Chronos, today you have an opportunity to do something with a moment of time. Kairos. And you can choose to either praise God, take something from his word, and use it, or you can choose to neglect it. On this day. Somebody say this day. So David men whispered to him, today, the Lord is telling you. Look who's talking. (laughs) You know when folks say the Lord is telling you something, you think they done heard from the Lord. You know, because we can throw that around loosely, you know. But if you don't know what the Lord say, People can tell you something that they say the Lord say, and you may believe it because they said the Lord. That's why you got to know what the Lord say for yours. 
And whatever he says should line up with something that's written that you can rec- that's been recorded. So, so David man whispered to him, today the Lord is telling you, I will suddenly put your enemy into your power to do with as you as you wish. Whatever you want. You know what I mean? Say, David, whatever you want to do to him, you got him now. You done caught him with his pants down. As you wish. Now look at this. So David crept forward and cut off a piece of the hem of Saul's robe. Now, you know, being the king, everybody else in town don't have a robe like the king's robe. You know, everybody else wearing Calvin Klein, the king wearing Gucci. And, and, and so everybody don't have his robe. And I wear probably the one of, the, of a kind designer robe. Because if everybody could have the king's robe, it would make it look like everybody could have his authority. So this robe had to be different. And so now David creeped forward and cut off a piece of the hem of Saul's robe. But look at this. David's conviction. But then David's conscience, somebody say conscious, began bothering him because he had cut off Saul's robe. That inner feeling that can guide you to let you know whether you're doing something that's right or wrong. Every now and then in your life, you need to have a conscious interrupt. Before you get ready to do something, your conscience ought to speak to you and let you know whether it's right or wrong. And after you have done it, your conscience ought to come back. And if you did it right, applaud you. But if you did it wrong, your conscience ought to convict you. But David's conscience began to begin bothering him because he had cut Saul's robe. Now look at this. He says, the Lord knows. Somebody say, the Lord knows. See, everybody else may not know what we're doing, but the Lord knows. Everybody else may not know what you do at home when you're by yourself, but the Everybody may not know what you think it in your mind right now, but the, and see, when the Lord knows, then we got to understand it don't make no difference what other folk know, because we can show other folk a side of us. <laughs> that we want them to see, but the Lord knows. That ain't the real. The Lord knows. So David said, the Lord knows I shouldn't have done that to my Lord, the king. He said this to his men. The Lord forbid that I should do this to my Lord, the king, and attack the Lord's anointed one. For the Lord himself has chosen him. In other words, I don't have a right to put my hand on the man that God anointed to be king. You know, I hear people, maybe this is where we get the term, you know, if you don't respect the person, respect the office. Maybe that's why they say that. You know, you ain't got to like the president, but you ought to just have respect for the the office, no matter who the president is. You don't have to like him, 
but you ought to respect. David didn't have to like Saul, but he was still God's anointed king. And so therefore, because he sits in that seat of authority, David should have respected authority. And it, he knew that it was wrong to touch God's anointed king. But David's men didn't care. They wanted to kill him. They didn't care. See, they saw the same thing and saw the same opportunity, but instead of showing mercy, they was ready to to kill. Now, what you got to understand is that David knew that the law said, thou shalt not kill. It was okay if you was at war with someone to kill or if you was trying to protect your life in self-defense. But to kill a king unexpectedly, he don't know what's coming. For you to kill him, David knew that was against him. But obviously his cliff, his men, didn't care what the law said. And that's why sometimes our conscience have to remind us what the law said. What's right, what's wrong, what we should do, what we should do. And when those opportunities come in that, that moment of time, we got to do what is right. Y'all better follow me today. So he says, let me read this again. The Lord knows I shouldn't have done that to my Lord the King. He said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do this to my Lord the King and attack the Lord's anointed. For the Lord himself has chosen him. So look at this. So David restrained his men and said, do not, do not let them kill Saul. After Saul had left the cave and gone on his way, David came out and shouted after him. You know, time for vindication, Cliff. My Lord, the king. And when Saul looked around, David bowed low before him. In other words, I'm going to still show him the respect that he's due. I'm still going to honor him and give him what to do. Even though the dude tried to kill me, but because he's the Lord's anointed king, I'm going to do what is required in his presence. I'm going to humble myself. I'm going to respect him. Look then what he says. Then he shouted to Saul, why do you listen to the people who say I am trying to harm you? That's a good question. Why do you listen to the folk that you listen to? Just think about that. The person or the people or whatever it is that you listen to the most will have some influence on you whether it's good. You need to pay attention to who you're listening to and what you're listening to because what you listen to get inside of <laughs> I know y'all don't want to hear that today. You didn't come to hear that today. What has that got to do with the opportunity? Because you have an opportunity to do something with what you hear. <laughs> Amen. So he says, in verse 10, this very day, at that moment in time on Sunday, this very day, chronos. Now, 
what I want you to see here is David go out of his way to send Saul what I call an eye message. You know, every now and then when you talk to folk, you have to use an eye message. Amen. You have to make it personal. You have to say I. You know, we are taught to try to use we a lot of times, but every now and when you're trying to prove your case and to make your point, you may have to sin. People pay attention to our messages. They don't like us to give them, but they pay us. Sometimes you just have to tell your children, I said this. Daddy, you got to stand there and say, I said this. Because they may think mama talking. But you need to make it clear. Help me out, Anthony. Help me out. I like it when you talk back to me because it makes sense. Look at this. In verse 10, he said, this very day, you can see with your own eyes it isn't true. David says, all you got to do is open your eyes, king. He says, for the Lord placed you at my mercy back there in, this, in the cave. Some of my men told me to kill you, but I spared you. For I said, I will never harm the king. He is the Lord's anointed one. Look, my father, at what I have in my hand. I told y'all a couple of weeks, that's exhibit A. I got evidence in my hand that if I wanted to kill you, I could have. But because I chose to show you mercy, all I want to do is to prove to you now that I am innocent of what all those folks are. They've been lying on me. You know, people will slander your name. You can't stop that. But every now and then, when you're trying to make a point, you better be able to give them a, a message. I like what he says. Look, my father, at what I have in my hand. It is a piece of the hem of your robe. I cut it off, but I didn't kill you. This proved that I am not trying to harm you and that I have not sinned against you, even though you have been hunting for me to kill me. <laughs> David had the opportunity to do good or evil. But in that moment of time, he chose to do it is always the right time always when in doubt do good amen you can't go wrong with God doing good and so I encourage you today when the opportunity when the moment comes some of you are going to have that moment before you leave here to do good and it just may mean you need to say something to somebody, speak to somebody, do something nice, just to do, especially to those in the household of You're supposed to do it to everybody, but Cliff, especially, I got to do it to you. 
Now that looks like God got a plan that you know that just say you got to prefer one another. That ain't my word, but that's what the word says. I can love everybody, but I got to prefer clear. Another case. Let's go to the book of Mark. Mark chapter 4. But I want to show you here that now, just as we are encouraged to look for the opportunity to good, to do good, there are people looking for the opportunity to do evil. Looking for a favorable time or an occasion to do evil. Here in this passage, Mark makes a subtle contrast by mentioning the religious leaders in Judas looking for an opportunity to arrest and kill Jesus while Mary was seizing the opportunity in that moment in time to show her love and loyal to the Jesus, to Jesus. Now this episode takes place a couple of days before the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. I'll talk about this briefly. Jesus' enemies were looking for a way to kill him and they wanted to do it without everyone noticing it. But because the city was filled with so many people in town, in town for Passover, they did not have the right opportunity. But that didn't stop them for planning and looking for an opportunity to put Jesus to death. Now look at this, and I'm in Mark chapter 14, verse 1. Probably read down to verse 11 and then we'll be through. It says, it was now two days before the Passover. Passover commemorates the, the children of Israel's deliverance from Egypt when the death angel passed over the houses that had the door, blood on the doorpost. Everybody knows the story. And the festival of unleavened bread. We would call that flat bread. They didn't put no yeast in it. They had to leave in a hurry. So they didn't have time to wait around for the bread to rise. You know, flatbread is pretty popular now. You know, we eat a lot of bread, you know, sandwiches on flatbread. There was a time flatbread just didn't play. But now it's pretty popular. Flatbread. Yeah, yeah. You know, light bread rises up, but flatbread, yeah. Y'all get the point. So, so they had to leave in a hurry, so they didn't put yeast in the bread. Then it says, the leading priest, somebody said leading priest. To me, that sounds like religious folk. Well, let me confirm that. The leading priests and the teachers of religious law were still looking for an opportunity to capture Jesus secretly and newsflash. Throughout history, religious folk have been looking for opportunities to do evil as well as good. There are some people who do good in the name of religion, but don't be deceived. There are many people who have done evil in the name of, and they were religious, religious folk, religious leaders who knew what the word of God say, but in spite of that took the opportunity to do evil. I said I'm going to be nice today, so I won't call on too many witnesses. 
but religious folk. You know, the Crusades was about religion. But some of the things that they did under the cross was not very godly. Religious folk. Religious folk have done a lot of things to other people in the name of their you know, most people that strap a bomb on themselves and call it jihad or whatever, they're doing it in the name of. So what I'm trying to tell you is that just because a person is religious don't necessarily mean that they got God's heart. Because religious folk can kill you and plot to kill you. All in the name of. Oh, I know y'all wasn't going to like that. And, and, and that's the PG version of what I want to say. <laughs> but look at this. He says, now, they were secretly looking for a way to kill him. But verse 2 says, but not during the Passover celebration. They agreed. Somebody say agreed. agreed. Agreement is a powerful thing. You do, when people come together in a united mindset and agree on something, it's a possibility they're going to pull it off. You know, even when the people want to build a tower to, to God, God said, look at man, anything they put their mind to do, if they do it on one accord, they're going to do it. So we got to go down there and confuse their language because now they are communicating with each other and they are operating in a... Agreement is powerful, especially when it's done to agree to do good things. That's why people always try to get you into disagreements so you can't accomplish what God wants you to do. When we ought to be working on agreement for good, just like these guys are working on agreement for... They agreed. They said, or oh, the people may write. Now look at this. Meanwhile, verse 3... Jesus was in Bethany at the home of Simon, a man who previously had leprosy. Some believe that Jesus may have healed him, so he was inviting Jesus to his home. Now, while he was eating, a woman, one account said it was Mary, so I'll say Mary, or just a woman. It don't really matter. The point that needs to be made here is how these people interpret this event. The religious leader and some of the folk going to see what is happening you know, as a waste of resources, you know, as a waste of time, whereas Mary saw it as an opportunity for worship. See, some people come to church and they see this time that we're in right now, this Kairos moment of time, they say, I am wasting my time. Whereas someone else may be sitting here saying, I am here to worship God and believe that through his word, he's speaking to my heart and I'm going to take something in and do something. So are you wasting your time today or are you here to... Uh, I wasn't supposed to say that. That wasn't in my notes, but since it got dropped in, I just said it. He says... Meanwhile, Jesus was in Bethany at the home of Simon, a man who had previously had leprosy. While he was eating, a woman came with a beautiful alabaster jar of expensive, somebody say expensive, expensive. perfume. There's perfume and there's expensive perfume. There's brute. That's back in the day. 
you know, when you pull, <laughs> when you pull brood is expensive. But today, that's Gucci. Prada. So this was that. You know, it ain't nothing wrong with expensive. If you can afford expensive perfume, don't buy the watered down stuff. Ain't got no problem with that. But don't let the expensive perfume have you. So that when it's time to share it with somebody, you want to be exclusive that can't nobody have this but Somebody say expensive. expensive. Say expensive perfume made from the from essence of nard, a spike nard, a very uh, a essential oil. She broke open the jar and poured the perfume over his head. Some, somebody say some. some. Now some, another version, indict Judas, but I'm gonna go with some here. Probably was in the crowd. Probably had something to do with it. Some say he was a treasurer, so he would have been concerned about the cash flow. And so that this was the opportunity to take advantage of that expensive perfume. So look at this. He said, now, some of those at the table were indignant. Now get this. These are folk that knew him. And they got indignant because someone was doing something nice. These were his boys. One of them was one, you know, that he chose and had the nerve to get in. You know, finna be one thing if you ain't my boy. But you my boy and something good is happening to me. I don't expect you to get in. Some at the table were in. Why waste they saw this as an opportunity, Cliff, for waste. Why waste such expensive perfume there? Mary didn't care about the expense. It was an opportunity for her to worship. And it was customary to anoint people that came into your house. It just wasn't customary to do it with ex. Normally, Bolden would get the cheap stuff. Amen. You know, some of y'all got perfume, and then you got cheap perfume. You know, most, most people don't just got one fragrance. You go, I guess I go to any of y'all ladies, when you go to my, 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 my bathroom, and you're going to see about five or six different fragrances up there. Some of them didn't call for $20, and some of them cost a lot more. Some cheap, some expensive. I wear the cheap stuff Monday through Friday. <laughs> but on Sunday, I put on this. I don't y'all laugh at me, you know. I mean, some of y'all ain't got nothing but expensive. But I still do have cheap. Because I don't mind putting on cheap. But I'm not going to get upset because someone takes something that's expensive and want to give it to Cliff. Some of these at the table were indignant. Why waste such expensive perfume, they asked. Look at this. It could have been sold for a year's wages. <laughs> yeah, now today, you know, 
a year's wages is a whole lot of different ranges for some of us. You know, some of y'all are six figures, some four figures, some five, whatever. But your year is relative to you. So if I'm just a $20,000 guy and that perfume costs exactly what I'm going to make in a year, I may have the same attitude. That, man, that's too expensive, man. You, that's going to be my whole year pay you putting the pole on that dude's head. You can hold on to that. Just put a drop on it <laughs> and let us sell. And look at this. He says, it could have been sold for a year's wages and the money given to the poor. So some of Jesus' boys, so they scolded her harshly. You wouldn't think that would come from people that knew him. So your relationship to Jesus, if you're not careful, you can know him and scold somebody harshly. Now, Jesus had to reply to what was going on. But look what he says. But Jesus replied, leave her alone. Why criticize her for doing such a good thing to me? She's doing something, and it's never a wrong time to do something good. Now look here, whatever you try to do in life, every now and then someone going to criticize. But as long as you know you are doing good, don't let your critics keep you from doing what God has called you to do. Most of the time we listen to our critics and our critics don't have a heaven or hell to put us in. They don't have no condemnation to put on us. And why are we listening to our Especially, Cliff, when they are criticizing you for doing such a good thing. It was your decision to give the homeless guy some money. That was your decision. That was your money. And for me to come up to you and say, Cliff, that was a dumb move. He ain't going to get nothing to eat. He's going to buy something to drink. I don't have a right to criticize you for doing something good. Because once you do good, you don't have to determine what that guy going to do with what you're doing. You cannot. Look here. Sometimes your children don't do good with what you give. But you did something So don't let people criticize you for doing good. You do good in spite of what your critics say. Look what Jesus says here. Now, Jesus, I need to be clear, he's not putting down the poor. But he knew his time was limited. So he was making a point. He said, now, you will always have the poor among you. Well, Jesus wasn't lying. We still got poor folk today around us in this community, the poor. They walk the street. Some of them by choice, but some of them out of necessity. They, they are. And if you don't have a heart for the poor, then you won't let anybody do anything good for the poor. 
You know, even in this city, let me get on my little soapbox here. In this city, because we're a tourist town, the leaders don't like the poor. So they want to put things in place to keep the poor off the streets. Because they don't want Cliff coming in town to see poor folks. Then we ought to devise a plan. How can we help the poor instead of running them into another neighborhood? Because Jesus said the poor will always, you're going to always have an opportunity to help the poor. And when you study God's word, you can't go wrong doing something for widows, orphans, and the Can't go wrong. Can't go wrong. He said, you will always have the poor among you, and you can help them whenever. Somebody say whenever. Yeah. Whenever you want to. But you will not always have me. She has done what she could and has anointed my body for burial ahead of time. Normally, the anointing of the body took place after you were and normally that was the women's responsibility to go and put the fragrance on their body so that at that time, because they weren't embalming, that it would not stink. So, so she was ahead of the... And Jesus knew that his time was getting short. So he's saying, look, right now you need to be focusing on me because you're going to have much more time to do for the... Then he says, I tell you the truth. Whenever, wherever God, the good news is preached throughout the world. Somebody say throughout the world. This woman's deed will be remembered and discussed. He must, he, he must not have been lying. Because we're standing here on this day. This chronological day of Sunday. At this, at, at this Kairos moment in time, talking about this woman. And I believe when you do good deeds while you're living, people will be talking about them when you're gone. That's why it's important for us, as much as we get the opportunity to do good, we got to take advantage of the opportunity. Now look at this, sandwich in between the beginning and all that nice story. Here come the opportunity to do evil. Then Judas Iscariot, one of the 12 disciples, not an outsider, but an insider, went to the leading priest to arrange to betray Jesus to them. Going to give them some inside information. And when you do that and give it to an enemy, man, that's treacherous. That's just evil. See, someone who don't know you can't really betray. Betrayal is normally an inside it's some people who know some things about you that don't nobody else know. 
And that's why betrayal hurts so bad because normally when it happens, it's someone that you confided in, someone you talked to, someone you shared with, someone that you thought would not betray. Someone that you thought was going to be loyal. A wife, a child, a husband, whatever. Someone. That's why when things go wrong in a marriage, that level of betrayal is so hurting. Among people who grew up as friends, was besties all their life. And all of a sudden they've been talking to each other about every little thing that has gone on in their life. And now you read it out on Facebook. You know that had to come from somebody on the inside. Some dude sitting down in the basement didn't just get a, that dropped into his spirit. Somebody that know me told him betrayal is an inside job. And you know what? When he decided to betray Jesus, the Bible says here, they delighted. These are the religious folk. They delighted to plot murder. To do evil. So just like there are people out there delighted to do good, there's people out there who get delight out of doing. They delighted when they heard why he had come and they promised to give him money. Now, money is amoral, but it can be a good motivator for you to do either good or evil. You know, the love of money is the problem. Because once you fall in love with it, it becomes your God. And the Bible says the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And those who follow after will probably stray away from the So Jesus had a follower who loved money more than he loved him, and so therefore he was willing to fall away from the truth to go after the Every good job that offers you more money may not be the best job. If money is your motivator for, for jumping from job to job to job, you're going to find out that with it come a price. And I tell people today, don't sell your soul for money. Because once people know that they can buy you, gonna, there's always more money to give you to get what they want out of. Joe Jays had it right. Money, money, money. Money. Some people got to have it. Some people <laughs> do things, bad things. Y'all remember that, huh? And that was 40-some years ago for some of us. And y'all mind could just bring that back just like. So what I want you to see as I close, the door of opportunity swing both ways. And I want to encourage you to look for opportunities to do good and not evil. The Apostle Paul reveals something to us in Romans 7.21 that as you try to live like God wants you to, do, to live, it is not always an easy process. And we should be mindful of this truth. He says this. He says, I find 
then a law. Somebody say a law. A principle, a truth drawn from experience. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. The fact of life is that whenever you want to do what is good, the opportunity to do evil is going to always be present. It's going to be in you because the Bible is clear. Until you die, there's a war that's going to rage on the inside of you between your flesh and the spirit. And your flesh is going to always want to do what's evil. That's why we have to be led by the spirit and not by the flesh, especially if we want to seize the opportunities to do good. Amen? Amen. Give the Lord a hand cup of praise, if you will. <laughs> Hallelujah. 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 Praise him like you really love him today. Just give him a, a hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. In this moment of time, in this Kairos moment, just let him know that you love him in your own special way. Have your hearts and your mind fixed on him. Thank him for what he has done for you. And I pray that in this time that you spent here today, that is what's not in vain, that there's something that's going to come back into your spirit that will cause you to do good. Every head bowed and every eye closed.